Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. I'm back. (laughs) Yes, I've been through the process of losing my voice and learning to talk again. I've had the very best surgeon, two ear, nose and throat specialists, and a speech therapist. And I now have a singing teacher to teach me to sing again. It's been an amazing journey full of discovery and learning, and in turn, much like a Camino, it's had good days and bad days. And most of all, I've met some amazing people who I know will remain friends for life. In the process of being told I'd never sing again and being told I'd never get my old voice back, I did a lot of soul searching. And I just want to take this opportunity To thank you all for your love and kindness, because it meant the world to me and really, really helped me get through. I was buoyed by the support of pilgrims all around the world. And in particular, I want to thank my Patreon sponsors who backed me and didn't hesitate to continue supporting me. So, thank you. And yes, I'm singing again. In the next few weeks, I'll tell you about some shows I'm doing in the new year that even I can't believe are part of my future, let alone our future. You know I love a quote. I saw a line from a Mormon elder of all people, Dieter F. Uchtdorf, who said, It is your reaction to adversity, not the adversity itself, that determines how your life story will develop. It's like he knew how I would need to approach this next stage of my life. With you and I walking together, I know everything's going to be okay. Having had the last few months away from the microphone, I wanted to take the opportunity today to pay tribute to my friend John Briley. Everyone has his guidebooks. He's the one who did all the research and put in all the effort so the rest of us can enjoy the wonderful, beautiful journey that is the Camino. His spiritual guidance is just as valuable to me as his guideposts and signposts. I read his reflections on the bottom bunk of an albergue in Relagos one night and had tears in my eyes. I think, and I may be corrected, this one is John's own observation. Here inside of me is a force that makes its own weather, winning through thickest clouds to the shining sun. I prayed with my late father's prayer book and wondered what was ahead of me. I need not have worried. John came to my house here in Sydney and we had fish pie, we laughed and told stories and imagined a world where illness didn't exist, where we could walk Caminos forever. But we are dreamers. There is no such world. This world is not for dreamers like John Briley. Here inside of me is a force that makes its own weather, winning through thickest clouds to the shining sun. Walk on, pilgrim. You have left your mark here. Buen Camino. Oh my goodness. So many people walking the Camino this year. The pandemic is history and everyone's trying to get their Camino on. Wow. It's so exciting to see all the pictures and journeys of pilgrims meeting pilgrims. They're sharing stories, sharing joys and troubles. Pure joy. So let's get to this week's interview. I first heard of Jerry and Sharon Everard when I read Jerry's article about the Camino Blues. When you get home and can't shake that feeling that you need to be back there, you shouldn't have left. You need to leave your life and get back to the Camino full time. Well, this is how Jerry summed it up in his blog, Fogwatch. 
The way I see it, it's kind of a late-night tapas bar, staring into your vino tinto, listening to the lone musician singing a mournful 12-bar thing with a flattened seventh chord that tugs at the heartstrings when the stars refuse to shine. Jerry and Sharon are on the line. Welcome, pilgrims. Hello. G'day, g'day. <laughs> Take me back, Jerry, to that moment. I'll start with you. That tapas bar, the musician tugging at your heartstrings. Take me back to that moment. Well, it's really about the the reflections at the end of the Camino and, and going, how do I bring this back into 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 daily life you know it's you get back into your the, the context that you left but you're a different person and yeah there's there were just a whole lot of impressions of what the Camino had been you know through through that time uh and it was just it was a it was a you know it was Santiago cake it was all of the, <laughs> it was all of those wonderful things um and yeah the so um yeah, it was about the, sort of combating that um, that sense of something wonderful has just is has just finished. How do I deal with that? Uh, and that's um, yeah, that that was really you know something I think that um, that everybody probably goes through when they when they come off the Camino. And yeah, just how to how to how to be a pilgrim in the, in the, in the way that was kind of envisaged. Uh, if you if you think about the um, most of the churches along the way have over the over the doorway they have an alpha and omega sign, but in Santiago it's reversed. There's omega mm -hmm. and then there's the alpha. And Master Matteo, who was the sculptor that um, that, that did a lot of that facade, uh, his idea was well the end of the Camino is is actually the start of your pilgrimage. You know it's from there. You are a pilgrim for life. Yeah, pilgrim for life. Yeah, from that moment on, how fantastic. I think that's something that resonates with everybody who's hit download or hit play on this particular podcast in any of the 330-odd that I've done. But you walk, Jerry, with Sharon. Sharon's there sitting beside you. I would like to say you're better half. <laughs> tell us tell us a little bit about yourselves. You're on the line with me today from Australia's national capital, Canberra. Sharon, tell us a bit about yourselves. Uh, I write, I've written a few number of books on quilting and things oh. like that. Yeah. Um, so I have a, um, a, a hand embroidery and quilting business, but that's, that's who I am. We walked the Camino together three times. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. And I think one of the things about that um, is that it was kind of important for us to walk it together. Um, you know, you see sort of um, people talking about whether whether to walk as a couple or whether to walk alone. And that's a really interesting question. But when you think about what the Camino does, it, it kind of changes your perspective uh, and you do a lot of growing in that time. And if one partner does the growing and the other doesn't, yeah, I then think... there's a tension there, which when yeah. you when you come I back, I think it would be hard. I mean, lots of people do do it that way, but mm. I think it would be hard. One of the oh. things that uh, I came home with was, I think, a a better attitude to my family, and that my family learned to to love that aspect of the Camino in me. And subsequently, yeah. I took my family back. And now my wife, as we speak, my wife is on the Camino uh, Portuguese right now. 
I'm with some yeah. friends. She wanted to go and experience on her own. And I said, right, go, yeah. I said, you go, go, go right ahead. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm yeah. so delighted yeah. for you. So she's there right now. It is, it yeah. is, it is a, a, a wonderful thing that you get to share with the person that you love the most. And and also, it's also good to let them go and explore for themselves as well. Oh, yeah. So I always do my research and uh, I saw some pictures, Jerry, of you playing a violin. Now, I had in my script, I wanted to talk about the violin, but then I did some more research and I see this thing called a Hardanger fiddle. Now, <laughs> now, now first of all, here, here I want to ask you a very simple question, right? What makes someone a fiddler as opposed to a violinist? Okay, that's um, that's fairly straightforward. It's simply the style of playing. The, right. the instrument is the same. Yeah, yeah, okay. So now what is a Hardanger fiddle? Okay, now the Hardanger fiddle, um, that's an eight-string violin. Uh, oh. It's, it's a, 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 it came out of Norway. It's a Norwegian instrument. Uh, and it has the normal four violin strings um, on the top. And then underneath the fingerboard, there's there are four other strings, which are sympathetic strings. They just ring um, in sympathy. So it's, you know, four on top, four on the floor. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, and they resonate when you play. So it's like having a delay pedal, but acoustic. Um, so it sort of re- rings on after you stop the note, uh, which is, which is uh, it just gives it a slightly more ethereal kind of sound. Uh, I think it came up in the, about the 1750s when uh, when orchestras were downsizing and, and they needed to make a lot more noise, you know, government cutbacks and all that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Something's so, never changed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they developed the the the, the hardanger, and it's it's basically a Norwegian folk instrument. So how did music come into your life? I stumbled into a bar one day, and there were a bunch of musicians wall to wall in Adelaide playing Celtic music, uh, and it, it just blew me away totally. Um, so I just had to be a part of that, and. Um, they the, it was a folk club and and they said oh you know look come along on Wednesday nights there's fiddle lessons and Monday nights there's whistle lessons and so I I bought a fiddle and went along and there was this trucky uh, who was there he was kind of six feet in all directions and uh, <laughs> you know, it was huge <laughs> a packet pack of smokes tucked up under his under his t-shirt uh, uh, um, uh, and he he made a pimple, yeah, you know, but a violin looked like a pimple coming out of his neck, you know, and and um, it was quite awe-inspiring. This guy, as I say, he was a truck driver, uh, but he had been playing violin since he was three, uh, and had then since turned turned to uh, Celtic music, and uh, um, yeah, he showed me how to play, and I walked out of there playing my first tune. How fantastic! What a great story. So, do you think, Jerry? I'll stay with you before I go back to Sharon in a minute, but do you think being a musician makes you more open to the joy of things like pilgrimage? I think like like any of the arts, I think it makes you um, tuned into, I guess, the kinds of... Um, the kinds of things that you, that, that, that you learn. The way photography teaches you how to see... Um, uh, so playing music teaches you how to hear. Uh, so walking the Camino and, and you know hearing the cuckoos off in the distance, uh, you know it's just uh, it, the, the you get attuned to the sounds and the rhythm, I guess, of of walking. You know the you know the the pace of walking, the the sticks that also help to keep the rhythm as well as support some of your weight. 
you know, all all of that sort of thing. I think it it, it helps to generate almost a meditative kind of sense of of um, uh, of, of being, and you you do become more open to to the environment around you, assuming you're not actually plugged into music and mm. yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, and taking your your artificial life with you out on the Camino. Yeah, I don't listen to music. I, I love those sounds, the cuckoo, as you say, the crunching of the of the soles of your feet on the ground, and and the cows and the cow bells and the yeah pussy cats yeah. and the chickens and everything else. Yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> it just makes me so thrilled to see you both there with big smiles on your faces. The pictures that I've saw of you both, you're both filled with such joy, and you, as I say, a, a gift that you got to share together. Sharon, how does it resonate now? Do, do you think about the Camino now you're home? Do you talk about it now that you're home? And you haven't been back for what, how long since you were back? A year, two years or something? Last year. Last year, Last year we yeah. Were. Um, we, we talk about the Camino most days, I think. Yeah. We sort of, uh, we're, we're Camino tragics, really. It's a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> but we do enjoy it and we're looking forward to going back next year and um yeah we we it um was uh, an experience that sort of changed us in all sorts of ways and mm. yeah yeah so we talk about it we relive it we um try and apply some of the lessons we learnt uh on the camino here back at home yeah um, you know so yeah, it's. Do you think, Sharon, that uh, it made you closer? We've always been pretty good, really. We've been married forty-three years. Oh wow! 40. Gosh, forty-four. Oh yeah, we're having forty-four. <laughs> Don't even know. <laughs> so we've always been pretty close. And when Jerry came home from work and said he wanted to walk the Camino, I knew that I'd be walking with him. <laughs> there's, a, there's a funny story there because um get, coming up to my uh, retirement from formal work uh I, I i just got it into my head you know i this i'd heard about this camino thing um and i just thought you know it's it's one of those things that's just a bit epic and it's and it's it's not like just walking off and, and retiring to gardening leave forever um <laughs> it's uh this 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 uh, is a it's a time out of time to go and really think about what, what we want to do next sort of thing so i said to sharon thinking that i would probably be walking it on my own um saying you know i i'd actually like to you know to to walk the camino um and sharon said straight away well i suppose we better start training then <laughs> <laughs> And I knew then we'd be walking together. Yeah, yeah. the following morning at six o'clock in the morning, I pushed him out of bed. And he's not an early riser. I'm not an early riser. Come on, we're going to go for a walk. <laughs> Canberra's a beautiful place to do some long distance walking too. Yeah, it's a fantastic yeah. place to do some walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Jerry, tell us about photography because that's another great love of your life. Uh, it certainly is, um, and it's it. it as I say, it's something that really is, it teaches you how to, how to look, um, you know, not just in terms of, of framing, but, um, you know, what, what's happening with the, with the colors, how do you tell a story with an image, um, those sorts of things. And yeah, I, I took it up, um, like quite a while ago, really. Um, but, um, uh, after I got my, my, when, you know, we sort of were fairly early onto digital cameras, but the, the first SLR camera was actually quite, quite 
relatively recent, uh, maybe 10 years ago. I basically went out and took a photo every day, uh, learning the camera. Uh, and that way it was a case of, well, you know, whenever I want to photograph something, I just instinctively know what settings to have it more or less set to. And, and uh, that came in very handy on the Camino because there were so many things we caught that I wouldn't have caught if the camera had been in the backpack or indeed if the camera had just been a phone camera because yeah. the size of the sensor makes a difference. Uh, in things like low light, if you're inside a, a church or a museum and you're trying to, to get a photo, uh, when you when you really look at it uh, on, a, on a phone photo, it gets pixelated very quickly. Um, whereas you can get rid of the noise because all the information is 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 pretty much there with a with an SLR camera because you've got a bigger sensor. Uh, so that was my Camino burden really for <laughs> for all three Caminos. I, 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 I took this thing one lens to rule them all. It was a, a an eighteen to four hundred mil lens, uh, and um, and it just covered every every occasion. Um, yeah. So yeah. the fo- the photos on your blog Fogwatch are absolutely beautiful. Um, there's a couple of absolute stunners I was looking at just yesterday, and I thought, oh wow, that perfectly captures the 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 feel and the emotion. It's it's really quite special. But there was also sketches in the in the blog. Who drew the sketches? We both sketched. We both sketched. I used to I I used to teach at the art school here in Canberra, and I taught Jerry to draw. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> and and uh, we both sketch. So, but in Jerry's blog, you would have seen Jerry's sketches. Yeah, it's my sketches. Right, right. So was that something that you did in the end of the day, Sharon? You would sit sort of quietly, look at a church or one of those beautiful old Spanish buildings and and, and sketch? That's a really lovely way to wind down at the end of a day. With a racer, yes. With a beer. With a beer. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, We didn't sketch every day. We've... Um, some people managed to sketch every day, but we didn't. Mm. Um, sometimes we're just too tired, you know. Um, and but, sometimes we just want to spend time talking with other yeah, people. Yeah, and frankly, yeah. if there are, if if this um, if, if there's the opportunity to socialise, I'm not going to stick my nose in a sketchbook and be antisocial, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like people people rank have always ranked highest mm. you, yeah. f- with. For me, anyway, you know, I enjoy the social aspect. So, unless, so there's, it, it's just, you know, when when the time is right, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. We we both love getting having a beer or a, a glass of wine and sketching what's around yeah. us. It's and fun. especially the rest days where you know you're not pressured to move on to the next place, and you just go, okay, let's just spend some time and look at this thing for an hour and a half, yeah, two hours. Yeah, yeah. And, and just take it in, and it's amazing how much more you get from doing that from, than just lining up a photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and the you do see more. You do see more, and I think you see more of the color too. And when you can replicate that color on the page, I think you think, "Oh, yeah, that's that's." I've summed that yeah. up really lovely. And also, also, sometimes people stop. You, you. It's a way of because we track whenever we travel, we're sketching. Often people will stop and they'll look over your shoulder and you can get chatting with them. It's a great way to meet locals. Yeah, right. Oh, how fantastic. So yeah. just tell us about then, Sharon, meeting people from all around the world, those long 
sun sun drenched summer evenings and and spring and uh, autumn evenings in Spain are yeah. just so beautiful. They seem to last forever. And sitting mm. around a table with perfect strangers, but it is truly a, a wonderful thing. And I thought uh, the ha- second half of the question is: Do you still keep in touch with some of them? Yes, some of our Camino family. We we're on Skype every week with right. <laughs> yeah. Um, we yeah. made some great friends actually yeah. the first particularly the first two caminos the last camino being the first post-covid one for us um was a little bit different in in that respect uh we i mean we did make some some friends but they there, w- there wasn't the time necessarily to make those deeper connections uh as they were often uh, pulling uh, bigger distances, trying to get accommodation and that sort of thing. And we had pre-booked uh, that one uh, because it was a, a, a post-COVID one. We we thought private rooms would be safer um, from a health perspective. And um, um, yeah, so we would tend to see people once and have great yeah. conversation with them and then they're gone, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. As the others, uh, we were often playing tag with them every, every second yeah. day or so you'd yeah. meet up with them again. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and for the last, I don't think it's that like that now. I think it's totally back to normal. Yeah. But when uh, when we first went over, because it was in the April, so it, it the world had just opened up. People were still wearing masks a lot and things like that. And so on things happened like people sat further apart or dining was on in separate tables. So you were talking across tables. And it just wasn't as conducive, mm. was it, as um, if you're talking face to face? You know, the, just the dynamic was just yeah. slightly. I think I don't think it's like that now. I think it's changed back to what it was. Yeah. Um, but so that Camino was different for making a Camino, yeah. meeting a Camino family. The other Caminos were were still in contact with people. Yeah. Oh, how fantastic! Yes, yeah, so I was back there in September, October last year, and it was back. Everything was back to normal. Yeah, there was yeah, no yeah. one was wearing masks. Really, it was um, yeah. yeah, it was just back to what it always was. Jerry, in one of your blogs on Fogwatch, you write that self care is really important on the Camino. What do you mean by self care? I think, in terms of the uh, my analogy, I suppose is on an you know the, the emergency briefing that you get before you start. Um, they they say well you know in the event that we need oxygen you know fit your own oxygen mask first and then you can help others, um, and it struck me as really that's that's kind of the way things uh, kind of have to be. It's very hard to help someone else if you are struggling yourself. So a bit of self care, um, things like you know making sure that you're that you're not sort of totally exhausted or that you're yeah. you know. Uh, those those sorts of things. If you're if you're comfortable in yourself, then then I think you can reach out more easily to others. Yeah, I think like one at one stage in Hontanas, we met a young woman who was at her wits' end. She was absolutely exhausted. She hadn't slept in the albergues well. She was carrying a pack that was too heavy. You know, she was ready to give up the Camino and she was in tears and she was saying, I was trying, I'm trying to be a good pilgrim. And I said, listen, whether you carry a pack or whether you sleep in an albergue isn't about that. You know, she needed a bit of self-care. I said, book a room, have a good night's sleep, send your pack ahead for a couple of days and see how you feel. And we caught up with her in 
Leon, I think it was, she was as happy as rain. (laughs) And it was because she just set up this really strict regime of this was the way you were going to do a, you know, a Camino. And it it was breaking her. And and she just didn't need to do that. A little bit of self-care is okay on a Camino, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, why why bust yourself up? I don't think it makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't make yeah. sense actually. Yeah. yeah. So you Sharon, I'll ask you this. You you've walked the Camino Frances three times. Um yeah. uh, why the Frances on repeat? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to figure out why we like it so much. <laughs> 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 the first time, like the fir- after the first Camino. Uh, we talked about it every day and I, we were out walking and I said, do you realise we talk about this darn Camino every single day? And Jerry said, I think we need to go back and try and figure out what it all meant. <laughs> you know, so it was the second one and the third one was more or less the same. <laughs> That's now, great. We, just, we, we really like the the Francis. It's well supported for someone, for people our age. Yeah. Um, and it's it's very sociable. Uh, yeah. we, you know, we do like to meet other people. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the other thing too is that, particularly the first Camino, it kind of restored my faith in 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 humanity. Yeah. Um, I'd had uh, a fairly long career uh, in defence and um, had really seen kind of the worst that people can do to each other. Mm. Uh, and yes, he was a really grumpy old man. So I was quite cynical, but <laughs> I was really quite cynical by the end of it. <laughs> Out him and thinking, oh, gee, for better for worse, but they didn't say anything about <laughs> the old man. Yeah, you know, um, so. but in a way, um, I mean, you know, Sharon sort of uh, talked to me about it after the, the first communion and said, you know, I saw the man I married yeah, uh, I come back. Yeah, you know, um, in that six weeks, Jerry came back to me. You know. So, so, and that was that was the story I was going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's yeah. a, that's that's as a good a Camino story as I've ever heard. Yeah. But let me ask you then, Jerry, what was it like for you to for that realization that the old Jerry was back? It was liberating, really. It was, um, yeah. It 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 reminded me that there was such a thing as human kindness. You know that. Um, and it's um, sorry, I'm, I'm getting emotional over that. Um, it's the small kindnesses, you know. Somebody will, will just come up and give you a hug, uh, and and a, or a, you know, we'd, we'd walk into a church and and somebody would give us a blessing, um, and it was just those tiny little things that, that you know, people just looking out for each other, going, you know, you okay? Everything you yeah. going all right? Yeah, you know. It's it's uh, it's those things that you don't necessarily see in your daily life, mm. uh, and that was one of the things I thought. Well, that's actually an important thing to bring back, yeah, you know, and mm. and to just incorporate into your life. And mm. those those you know random acts of kindness. Yeah, those yeah. random acts of kindness. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what a blessing for you, Sharon. Man, he retired. <laughs> yeah, I cook for him now. <laughs> make a pretty mean Santiago cake. Too. Oh wow! Okay, fantastic. When our listeners hear this interview, you'll be in Korea. Um, yeah, you're now retired, as you as you mentioned. 
is there this constant wanderlust now? Are you both really keen uh, to do as much traveling as you like, or are you just b- being kind of measured, I suppose? Oh, uh, no, we're part of a group, a worldwide organization called Urban Sketches. And they're people who sketch on location when they travel. And every year there's an international get together where there's hundreds of people get together to sketch. And then in the um, Asia, there's what they call Asia Link, and um, which is also hundreds of people get together for you know to do workshops and all that sort of thing and sketch sketch on location. So we're off to do that. <laughs> Basically, it's it's you know I've got all my notes here. I've always got stacks and stacks of notes that I never get around to using. But I did highlight in one of the blogs, Jerry. You talked about sketching. You say you observe how the light falls on the stone and the subtle variations in texture and color, and you see how the bells sit in the openings of the spire with circular windows above and the whole surmounted by a lantern with a ball on top, symbolic of the globe. On which we live, and then the lacy iron cross to crown it all. There's such a detailed and intense observation. But do you ever, the pair of you, Jerry, you might answer, just walk without observation? Do you ever just let the world glide by you without engaging? (laughs) Or is it always a photo opportunity or a sketch opportunity? It's too interesting, you know. There's so much right. to see, and we, as I mean, we often say, the slower you go, the more you see, um, and you know. It, so it is. It's about, uh, I guess, it's about traveling slowly. It's about taking things in and being, I guess, a bit more mindful of our surroundings as we go. Uh, and I think that's it's you know, and sketching is is a is a great way to slow down. You know, and and it's quite meditative. You know, you're just yeah. deeply observing something. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean, just like with photography, when you look around, it's not just a scene. It's like, you know, okay, the the way the light's falling, the way the shadows are, are, are you know, um, are lying across the path and, and all of those sorts of elements, um, you, you just get to notice those. I mean, every now and then we'd sort of, uh, and this is a great thing about walking together, is we'd point things out to each other. You know, did you hear that? Did you see, look at the way those shadows are going. Look at that colour of that tiny flower that's fabulous yeah Yeah. what a wonderful thing to share sketching together so where are all the sketches and i'm dying to know do you have any framed that is a particularly good one or are there camino sketches on the walls of where are they all it's the the process that's important (laughs) oh i see they're all in sketchbooks they're in cupboards somewhere i think a lot are under the bed (laughs) (laughs) do you ever it's just the process. It's just yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I know myself that I can sit and play the guitar for an hour and my wife will say, what did you do today? And I'll say, nothing. But I have been doing something and I've been really indulging in something that I love and it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's deep, deep therapy for me. Deep therapy. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's for sure. We talked about how um, there was this extraordinary change in Jerry's life and I want to go back to another one of your blogs, um, Jerry. You talk about the downsizing and the simplifying of life. And I wonder what that looks like for you now. How did you downsize and simplify life? Because you wrote, it's another hill to climb and the rocks and the mud and the beautiful lizard sunbaking without a care in the world and the butterflies and the sunflowers past their prime, aren't we all? 
and the water fountain that's been there since St. Francis of Assisi walked past 900 years ago. It was that sweet and tasted like vino from the shell. Is there a book waiting to be written, Jerry? <laughs> There's... Uh, yeah, several people have asked me that. <laughs> well, well, I should tell our listeners that I'm, I'm we're on Zoom and, and Sharon is giving the double thumbs up in the background while you're <laughs> waiting to answer the question. So come on, that's beautiful writing. And you clearly have a great sense of observation of what you're seeing and being able to see or, or put what you're seeing into words. Would you write a book? I'm certainly thinking seriously about it. Fantastic. Um, that way. So uh, I, I sort of figured that with with as I write up last year's um, uh, Camino, uh, each of the posts I'm noticing uh, is uh, coming out to you know, about just over a thousand words or so. And I'm sort of thinking, well, at the end of this, I'm going to have about 60,000 words uh, already just as a, as a framework for a book. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's uh, fantastic. Uh, it's, it's a reasonable jump to to go from there to um, to uh, in some ways, one of the things uh, that particularly on the last Camino, I'd been reading a lot of the Stoic philosophers and uh, people like Epictetus and, and um, Marcus Aurelius mm. uh, who give great guidance for life um, and in many ways, um, uh, you know, very much sounding like pilgrims. Uh, exactly. And, and the interesting the, thing about it, sorry to interrupt you, Jerry, is that Stoicism is not what we think it is. Yeah. That's right. People say Stoic, you know, stiff upper lip, come on, suck it up, everything will be. No, it's not like that at all. It's, no, far it, from it. It's an, it's, it's an entirely different philosophy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I did have in mind maybe writing something like, you know, yeah. the Stoic Camino. Um, yeah. Oh. And what it looks like, you know. Well, I love that. I really love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Stoicism is a fascinating philosophy and a culture that people have completely misunderstood and, and twisted to something that really reflects very little of what the actual philosophy yeah. is about. Um, yeah. So, so well, tell me then about music on the Camino. Being a musician, I'm always got an ear out for music on the Camino, and sometimes you you, you stumble past a church and and hear people playing or singing. Tell us about music on the Camino. Your journey. Oh, the Celtic stuff. The Celtic stuff, amazing. definitely. Uh, I mean, it was interesting. There was, uh, I mean, in in, in Galicia particularly, uh, one one stage I uh, was was listening to to. Um, uh, there was a bunch of people playing, and and I thought I know half of those tunes. You know, these ah, are yeah. <laughs> there's so much of the Celtic yeah. stuff in there that. Yeah. Uh, it, um, but the uh, and the other thing were the fiestas. We would you know we we encountered uh, a, a few fiestas along the way, uh, and the music uh, there, which was just stunning. You know? Yeah, uh, it's kind of it's it's rough at the edges. It's raw, but it's. It, it, there's there's so much life in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, when we were talking before I hit record, we were talking about my voice and, and what a journey it's been. And Sharon was saying that you were a professional musician for many years, Jerry, and you, you developed a condition in your hand that made it, well, almost impossible for you to play the fiddle. Tell us, tell us lots about that journey. Okay, well, I mean, that was really the end of my professional career in, in music. I'd spent about 10 years playing um, Celtic folk music with bush bands in right. Western Australia. Um, and uh, it gradually became more and more painful t for me to, to play. Uh, so I went to a, went along to the doctor, as you do, and 
Um, and I said, you know, is this something that, uh, you know, is can, can we maybe a physio or something like that can do something with? And he said, uh, well, this is this is a form of tendonitis, you know, that the people call RSI, uh, repetition, strain in, in injury. Um, and it was from playing very fast reels and, yeah. and things uh, with with without thinking too much about um, the the pathways that, that the nerve sheath was going through my hand. So he said, well, you know, uh, basically, if you want to retain the use of your hand, you're going to have to stop playing. And I'm going, I'm thinking about all these gigs I've got booked up ahead. <laughs> we, we had a seven-month-old baby at that stage. Goodness yeah. me. So, yeah, so it was a case of doing a very uh, major rethink. Um, and 10 days later, uh, my music career uh, finished. Um, I had to stop playing for two years. Um and that's when I went back to uh, to study. To so I went to uni um, as a mature age student uh, and went through, um, and then followed followed really that path. Um, but after uh, after the two uh, as the two years came to came to a close, I thought, okay, I'll just tentatively see what I can do, you know. And I and I just gradually picked up the instrument again, uh, and I started really working on how to how to make the um the process work in a way that i wasn't overstraining any one um uh, any one muscle group mm. any one yeah. thing um and in a way that be, that taught me to become a much more consistent and, and better player um mm. uh, and funnily enough now after all these years having been a self-taught musician uh, i'm now taking violin lessons <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> So do, the, do the music career first and then learn how to play the instrument. Yeah, but he's you know. playing classical music versus... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, yeah. a whole different style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was about, I suppose, 10 minutes ago in the course of this interview that we were, as I said, on Zoom and I was looking at your beautiful home there and I thought in my mind, is that a violin on the table behind you? Yes, it is. <laughs> could, <laughs> could I perhaps prevail on you? Could we hear this hard anger Fiddle, Jerry? Oh, that, the Harding is in another that, room. Yeah, oh, that's a different yeah, it's just one. It's a regular violin. That's yeah, a different yeah. one. Would you play us something? Um, oh, I suppose I could um, do that, yeah. Yeah, I know this <laughs> is this is very spontaneous right in the middle of the interview. It's just so magic to hear the violin, the the fiddle, though. I've got to remember the, the distinction between the two. <laughs> Sharon, let's step back onto the Camino. We don't have a great deal of time left. Tell me what you loved more than anything else about the... About the Camino? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a very simple life. It's a way of stepping out of a busy life and taking time out for yourself. Um being very honest with yourself. Sometimes we, we can go many years without being very honest with ourselves. <laughs> you know, like if you've got sore feet or a sore back or whatever, like it's it's there constantly. Um, that doesn't sound very pos 
positive, but it is positive. Oh, no, it is. It is. Being honest with yourself, I think, is another element of Jerry's self-care that we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and it's it's time. It's um, you just don't have to. You don't have to do all the domestic stuff. You don't have to think about anything else other than getting up, walking, having some lunch or having a feed and washing your clothes and talking to people. That's it. It's life simple. It's good. It feeds who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the positive. What did you find challenging, do you think? For me, it's always physical Mm. (laughs) because I'm overweight. So, you know, like... It always takes a bit of effort. <laughs> I want I want magic. I want one of those magic chairs or something that I can just glide along. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that would be no fun. That would be no fun. Look at me by segue. By segue. So, Jerry, what advice would you give to somebody thinking of walking? Get a segue. <laughs> no, 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 sorry. <laughs> What advice to, to somebody walking? Um, train, uh, yeah. you know, like actually break in your shoes, practice walking with a pack, walking with poles, uh, find as many hills as you can because contrary to some people's opinions, the Camino is not flat. Even or at least all the flat bits are on an angle, you know. The, so <laughs> that's the other way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you know, it's it's not something to be undertaken lightly. I think it's also important to prepare the mind because it's as much a psychological mm-hmm. effort uh, as it is. Um, you know, like the the eight hundred kilometers can seem like a really big number, and a lot of people rush out of the starting gate and try and get as much done as they can as quickly as they can. And it's not about that. It's about the journey. So. You just have to think in terms of what, where do I get to today and where do yeah. I get to today the next day and where do I get to the next day? Yeah. Uh, and eventually all that adds up to 800 kilometres and yeah. you've done it, you know. I think, I think people fear and particularly in that first week, they are so busy trying to uh, tell themselves they can do this thing. They're worried that they can't do this thing, that they push themselves hard in that first week Hmm. and they can hurt themselves but I think it's fear they if they they can get into a a habit of fear Hmm. and of not being able to finish and then about halfway through you see them relax of oh yeah I think I maybe can do this you know like that two couple of weeks is so physically demanding for some people that you see them just you know pep talking themselves like you know that that's what their psychological state is so that meant that what jerry calls mental preparation i think it's just having faith that you can do it yeah 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 so the in terms of the the care of the self you know it it is those things you know um you know real pilgrims don't judge um so uh so take the rest day you know if you if you you know look listen to your body listen yeah. to to what's going on and if something's going wrong well just take time out and fix it and yeah. and then you can move on yeah yeah, yeah. the self care we keep going back to it it's so important not just physically but mentally spiritually and and in many respects just being kind to yourself 
I, I loved one of the pieces that you wrote on Fogwatch. Uh, it's the way the mountains float like islands in a sea of cloud while the vultures circle overhead and in your conscience. It's the rock you placed upon your sorrows at the cross and the robin just ahead and that selfless hug from the stranger that rained tears upon your soul. That's beautiful writing. That's beautiful yeah, writing. You. That's beautiful. Really lovely. Uh, okay, so Sharon, uh, let me ask you the second last question. How do you describe the Camino to people who ask about it? Uh, it depends upon the person and it depends upon where I sense their um, life is at. So if, if it's a young person, I'll say it's an 800 mile, 800 kilometre walk across Spain with a lot of bars along the way, you know. <laughs> and that. if it's an old, older person, I'll say, you know, that you, you make new contacts, you know, new friendships in your life. You, you discover things about yourself that even though you are comfortable in your own skin, you didn't realise you had that lesson to learn, um, you know, so it really depends upon the person. Um, and I, but I describe, but it's always something that uh, change is possible and that um, it's good for your life. It's good for your life. Yeah. All right. Now, the final question to you, Jerry. We've put the book on the shelf now. It's that's done and dusted. You're going to be doing that, that's for sure. But I want to know how do you see the next 10 years panning out and, and how will the Camino feature in your future? The pair of you. Well, I think um, I think the Camino uh, has a long future for us. Um, you know, as I say, we're we're looking already at, at walking again next year uh, for Camino number four. Um, but the so alongside that uh, is, um, I guess, a, a lot more travel. But the it's really about just learning about the world and and. You know what is it that makes our society tick the way it does, uh, and what brought us to where we are today? So I have a deep fascination for history, um, and uh, and I'm I'm intrigued by you know why is that why was that city built there why was that town built there, um, and what is it that brings us to where we are today? Um, and I think if if in in ten years time I've come some way further down the track to to nothing that out I'll be I'll be very happy um, but yeah it's so there's a philosophical journey to be done you both gave each other a, a knowing look right then I, <laughs> it, that, that, that was really lovely a really lovely place to finish this quite extraordinary and delightful conversation thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me Jerry and Sharon and I so loved your writing Jerry, and as I said, if there's a book, I'll be the first to hit by now. Congratulations to you both for finding the joy of pilgrimage and for having the courage to step out of your comfort zone to discover new versions of yourselves and to share and celebrate the joy of life as a, a musician and, and as a quilter, but most importantly, as sketches and as a couple. It's a wonderful story. I think it's fabulous. Just so great. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. My guests this week were the Australian pilgrims Sharon and Jerry Everard. You can find Jerry's writings, his photographs, and some of those sketches and exquisite pictures at thefogwatch.com, thefogwatch.com. Speaking just as we finished the interview, as I was saying goodbye to Sharon and Jerry, 
we spoke more about the Camino and Jerry said, Dan, what I love about it is we're walking ourselves into the history of Europe. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> I love it. Walking ourselves into the history of Europe. In this first episode back from an illness-induced furlough, I want to say again, thank you. Thank you for your love and kindness. I'm back and looking forward to hitting that 500 interview mark we've all talked about since day one, way back in January 2017. Until next week, let's finish with one of John Briley's observations. Here inside of me is a force that makes its own weather, winning through thickest clouds to the shining sun. Until next week. I'm Dan Mullins, Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along.